This episode of Two Scoops is brought to you by Meditation, Mindfulness and Self-Care. Cam. Mr. B. Is it recording? You know it. Let's give the people something new. It's time to serve it up. What's the scoop? Let's go. Serving it up, UK to the States. No tea, no shade, it's all grace. Nothing we can't discuss in this place. Black culture set the stage, please. Two scoops, baby. Yeah, two, two, two scoops. Serving it up for the culture. Welcome up into the room. We are back with another episode of Two Scoops. I'm Cam. And I'm Mr. B. And this is episode 11. With our very special guest, Derek Adu. Derek is a 38-year-old black gay man of Ghanaian heritage who was born and bred in London. He is an actor who has worked on productions like Nativity the Musical, Beautiful the Carol King Musical and Tina the Tina Turner Musical, which is due to reopen very soon this year in the West End. Derek loves singing, baking, travelling, visiting museums and volunteering collecting precious stones and learning about spiritual practices and holistic therapies. As a meditation coach, he conducts individual one-to-one coaching and mentoring and facilitates online wellness events, having worked with organizations like Today Ticks, the Sydney Gay Meditation Group in Australia, House of Rainbow, the Faith Belief Forum, and the Muscle Marys. He has also written wellness articles for Colorado-based blog Yogi Approved. Derek will soon be releasing the illustrated edition of his ebook, 100 Miles Per Hour, serving you with amazing energy and good, good vibes. We welcome into the room and into your space at home or wherever you may be, the enigmatic Derek Adu. Hey. Hey, hey. Welcome to the house, babe. Oh guys, man, that introduction was just like <laughs> blushworthy. <laughs> just telling the truth. Oh, man. Thank you so much. I'm so pleased to be here. We're glad to have so you happy with to us. Have you. <laughs> it's, I think, like, when we were um, first brainstorming, I immediately thought of you. Because it's like, okay, I always wanted to incorporate, we always wanted to incorporate spirituality into our discussions. And I was like, well... Derek has to be a part of it, like <laughs> somehow, some way. And so I'm just glad that we can have you with us oh, here man. today. If you can see me, I'm just cheesing right now. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. <laughs> I'm really excited. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. Um, again, I'm just really excited to be here. Um, I said to you earlier, I'm feeling a little tired because I've recently adopted a puppy. So <laughs> he's had me running ragged, sleeping late and waking up early. But, you know, it's, it's love, isn't it? You know, you do things out of love. So, yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really good. Because you did a gorgeous TED Talk with the GBGMC, the Global Pride last year. Mm-hmm. Which that was, was everything. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Thank you. I, I was, again, pleased to do that also because... The pandemic was such a, dare I say, a horrific time. Um, We hadn't expected anything like that or experienced anything like that in our generation. So um, I think it was a perfect time for us to take advantage of that isolation, being by ourselves, 
because running up to that period, like things were just running so fast, you know, like the internet was just changing the way we live and people were just put under so many constraints such as, you know, anxiety, mental health issues, depression. So I think being able to just give that kind of encouraging discussion during the event, oh my God, it was, it was, yeah, I was just 100% into that. I was like, yeah. You facilitated something special during that event. Thank you. So just thank you again for that. No, pleasure. Absolute pleasure. A couple episodes ago, Mr. B and I spoke about our mental states um, during the pandemic last year, during lockdown and all that stuff. And so mm. I think this is a great um, a great follow-up to that. You know, we didn't actually get much into spirituality, but, you know, obviously the mind and the spirit is so connected. And so to have you here with us to continue that conversation, really, and go on a deeper level about just not even just about lockdown and the pandemic, <laughs> even though that's, you know, <laughs> most yeah, recent, but yeah. just our entire lives um especially as black men and as black men of the queer community to really like connect with our spirit amen amen i think as as the lgbtq plus community we're sometimes um overlooked because there's so much going on with us we are there's so much taboo around our community a lot of the um rest of the world very rarely seem to connect to us when it comes to spirituality and tend to leave us out and not think that we are people of faith, people of belief, people of the spirit, just like everyone else. So I think it's it's really important that, you know, you guys, especially on this kind of platform, just highlight that and say, have you thought about your mental health recently? Have you thought about your spiritual? Right. You know, I think it's, it's needed. It's fantastic. So good. Mm-hmm. Well, we're excited to get right into that with you. So let's let's get straight into the scoop of the week. So we're going to go straight into our scoop of the week. I woke up thinking about church and family my family in the West Midlands, you know, I was raised in a Pentecostal household and there was a lot of anticipation about this episode. I woke up thinking deeply about my religious and spiritual self and what was going to be brought up today. So I'd like to read a poem from Margaret Walker. She was born in 1915 And in 1947, she was the first African-American to win the Yale Younger Poets Prize for her debut collection, For My People. Now, to me, this piece is absolutely timeless. And there's so much from it that resonates with me and my feelings right now, today, in this space. Especially during these times and what we collectively have experienced over the past few years. For My People was written during the time of a mature Langston Hughes, when Gwendolyn Brooks, who, you know, won the first Pulitzer Prize that was given to a black writer, and when a young James Baldwin was deep into writing his essays for the culture. For My People by Margaret Walker. For My People everywhere singing their slave songs repeatedly, their dirges and their ditties and their blues and jubilees praying their prayers nightly to an unknown God 
bending their knees humbly to an unseen power. For my people lending their strength to the years, to the gone years, the now years and maybe years, washing, washing, ironing, cooking, scrubbing, sewing, mending, hoeing, ploughing, digging, planting, pruning, hatching, dragging, along never gaining, never reaping, never knowing and never understanding. For my playmates in the clay and dust and sand of Alabama, Backyards playing, baptising and preaching and doctor and jail and soldier and school and mama and cooking and playhouse and concert and store and hair and Miss Chumbi and company. For the cramped, bewildered years we we were sent to school to learn, to know the reasons why and the answers to the people who and the places where and the days when, in memory of the bitter hours when we discovered we were black and poor and small and different and nobody cared and nobody wondered and nobody understood. For the boys and girls who grew up in spite of these things to be man and woman, to laugh and dance and sing and play and drink their wine and religion and success, to marry their playmates and bear children and then die of consumption and anemia and lynching. For my people thronging 47th Street in Chicago and Lenox Avenue, in New York and Rampart Street, in New Orleans, lost, disinherited, dispossessed and happy people filling the cabarets and taverns and other people's pockets needing bread and shoes and milk and land and honey and something, something all our own. For my people walking blindly, spreading joy, losing time, being lazy, sleepy when hungry, shouting when burdened, drinking when hopeless, tied and shackled and tangled amongst ourselves by the unseen creatures who tower over us omnisciently and laugh. For my people blundering and groping and floundering in the dark of churches and schools and clubs and societies, associations and councils and committees and conventions. Distressed and disturbed and deceived and devoured by money-hungry, glory-craving leeches. Preyed on the facile force of state and fad and novelty by false prophet and holy believer. For my people standing, staring, trying to fashion a better way from confusion. From hypocrisy and misunderstanding, trying to fashion a world that will hold all people. All the faces, all the Adams and Eves and their countless generations. Let a new earth rise. Let another world be born. Let a bloody peace be written in the sky. Let a second generation full of courage issue forth. Let a people loving freedom come to growth. Let a beauty full of healing and strength of final clenching be the pulsing in our spirits and our blood. Let the marital songs be written, let the dirges disappear, let a race of men now rise and take control. So from 2017, I began to connect with my own ancestry um, as a Black American. And I think many people by now know that um, a lot of Black Americans who have American ancestry don't really know um, before that, as in before our ancestors were brought over from from Africa, from various places in Africa. And so anyway, in 2017, I really began to connect with that. And I did that via the company Ancestry DNA. 
And um, I know I know a lot of people who were finding out their own ancestry and and connecting their family tree together and all that stuff. And I'm very fascinated in all of that. So I did that and I got my results back. Um, and of course, I was most interested in what my African ancestry was. And so at the time, back then, um, I was given the percentages, um, mostly West Africa. I think like my largest percent was like 94% African, which not a surprise to me. And um, once I found that out, I really felt this spiritual connection with things that I didn't even know before um, and things that I'm still figuring out and, and exploring and discovering. And so around that time, I really started to pick up my own writing and I started writing poetry, or I should say I continued writing poetry. And I made the decision to write under a pen name, and that pen name is Brisbane Kofi. Brisbane is one of my family names. It's my mother's maiden name. And that name goes very far back in my in my family generations. So I chose that as the first name and I chose the second name Kofi because um, part of that ancestry that I found out was of current day Ghana and Ivory Coast. And since I was born on a Friday, um, as many Ghanaian boys are given the name Kofi if they're born on a Friday, depending on what tribe they're from. Is that right, Derek? <laughs> That's totally correct. hundred <laughs> percent. So, um, I began writing under the name Brisbane Covey, and I found that because, you know, I wasn't using my, you know, my stage name and my government name, Cameron Jones, um, that I was able to write differently and I was able to write more freely. So in light of this spiritual connection that I began to have, especially with my ancestry and my lineage and my overall being, I want to read a piece that I wrote back in 2017, and it's called From the Gourd We Sang. When we spoke our worlds to them, they had no choice but to listen. Each word that fell from their lips weighed heavily on their hearts, pressing downwards, causing their hands to shift and quake until they molded a gourd filling it with our wisdoms. From this came a cornucopia of the finest of reminiscences, the richest of voyages, the clearest of musings, and the deepest of unearthings. Each element was unique in form, composed of doubt, ignorance, yearning, and revelation. With each narrative's arrival came overwhelming collections of emotions cascading onto pages and pages of memoirs. And when the final word was imprinted, we paused in awe of the beauty of the lyrical rivers flowing from our fingertips. What were once unsung fragments are now celebrated odysseys for the generations to look back on and exclaim with wonder and pride, saying, we too have walked the path of righteousness. So blessed. Um, just a have observed those two pieces I thought my two scoops should be um about something my brother shared with me some years ago um in my family I've got a, an older sister and two older brothers I'm the youngest 
And um, my brother, as I think most kind of early 20-year-olds do, begin to just explore themselves and figure out who they are and what they're about. And um, a lot of that included traveling. So he ended up going to America. He lived in New York for quite some time, actually. Um, And whilst he was there, he joined um, like a spiritual group that did lots of like, just like they shared readings and books and they discovered a lot about Africa and the diaspora. Um, And one of the books he read... um, wasn't actually by an African, it was by a gentleman called Khalil Gibran. And um, it was called The Prophet. And funnily enough, during the lockdown, I took the opportunity to really delve into some texts that I knew I wanted to, but just never could get around to. So as you do, you go on your Amazon, as as um, interesting an organisation they are. I know you shouldn't <laughs> be ordering too many things from Amazon, but that's my own personal <laughs> um, <laughs> point of view. Um, don't judge here do you know what I mean don't judge me I'm not here for that um went to Amazon and I ordered a copy of The Prophet by Kilo Gibran and my brother shared with me a quote when I was younger and I was just so young I couldn't quite fathom it I didn't understand what it meant but it just held so much weight to me when I was I don't know 14 or something like that and the quote was love has no other desire but to fulfill itself and when he said that to me, I, I, I couldn't understand, huh? I was like, what? <laughs> but I think the fact it was just so puzzling to me made it stick in my mind. So fast forward many years, I'm not going to tell you how many, do the math. <laughs> um, I went on Amazon, <laughs> I ordered it. And like a, like a, like a idiot, I put the book, you know, like Amazon comes with the post and, you know, it's in that little brown envelope thing. I put it down somewhere and I just forgot about it. And obviously lockdown was like began a year ago. So literally last week, I saw the brown envelope. And I was like, what's this? Oh, wow. It's got my name on it. Okay, let me open it. The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. And I realised there was a passage that had that quote in it. And I'm like, oh, so this is where he got it from. So I wanted to share that with you guys <laughs> today. Um, so this is um, a section called, uh, called Love. Love gives naught but itself, and takes naught but from itself. Love possesses not, nor would it be possessed, for love is sufficient unto love. When you love, you should not say, God is in my heart, but rather, I am in the heart of God. And think not, you can direct the course of love, for love, if it finds you worthy, directs your course. Love has no other desire but to fulfill itself. But if you love and must needs have desires, let these be your desires. To melt and be like a running brook that sings its melody to the night. To know the pain of too much tenderness. To be wounded by your own understanding of love. And to bleed willingly and joyfully. To wake at dawn with a winged heart and give thanks for another day of loving. To rest at the noon hour and meditate love's ecstasy. To return home at eventime with gratitude and then to sleep with a prayer for the beloved in your heart and a song of praise upon your lips. So Derek, we would like to know a bit of your spiritual journey. Where did it all begin? And how have you navigated 
your lifestyle currently as a spiritual being? Um, I come from a Christian background. Um, Mum back in Ghana followed the Anglican church. And there was a group that she would continue to worship with once she moved and emigrated from Ghana to London. So every Sunday I was, you know, for one of a better word, dragged <laughs> to church <laughs> <laughs> to um, participate in worship. But being a child, um, I think I probably started really going when I was maybe seven or something. Yeah, being a child, um, you weren't in the main prayer group. However, we all know the effects of osmosis. Just by being in an environment, you slowly absorb some of the, the benefits of it or some of the, for want of a better phrase, discharge, whatever comes out or comes off of it. <laughs> I mean, hey, let's just use the term. We're here. Um, right. <laughs> and so even though me and the other kids of my age weren't really worshipping and we were just running amok in the other room and supposed to be doing Bible reading and supposed to be doing prayer, I developed a discipline and a respect for spiritual practice. I understood the discipline of giving up your your day to go to a place of worship, to give of yourself to something higher than yourself. So fast forward many a year, again, I ain't telling you how many, do the math, child. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I came out and started going to the club and meeting potential partners and friends and people that I'd, you know, later rely on and call friends. I got into a relationship um, which lasted uh, about two and a half years and it was a beautiful, flourishing relationship. However, it was um, just at the end tainted with a lot of um, cheating and a lot of going outside of the relationship on, on that partner's kind of um behalf and i guess i had over time just created a co codependent codependent relationship where my identity Mm. was so unraveled with his that being by myself i couldn't i couldn't see myself i couldn't see it it didn't make sense i invested in there girl like <laughs> and I laugh because, like, we've all been there in it, like, <laughs> right. And you touch on you touch on this in your book too, right? Mm-hmm. I touch on it on my book. Just it's just enough, just to kind of tease you into it. But um, it was mm. the the impetus for me to realize that there's something missing, dude. Like, without someone else in your life, you're still here. You still exist. You still have worth and mm. purpose. But at that time of breakup, I, I didn't get it. Didn't get it. So I became depressed. Went to the GP, told my story, said, oh, you know, go to talk therapy. Went to talk therapy. It was fine. But it was a lot of people who were in a different place to me and I didn't really get much from it. Went to um, specific gay men's help groups, discussed that. However, I found it was a lot of, oh, you know, I can't lose weight enough to look good for um, for guys. And, you know, I don't understand why guys don't like me. And it just became very superficial. I just wasn't really meeting my needs. However, one day, mm. when walking back from <laughs> the gay mental health group, I came across a centre, um, which I think was a community centre. They did lots of different activities, aerobics, yoga, lots of different things. Um, and I don't know what, but something drew me to a poster that said, Meditate here every Wednesday at 7.30. You know, and we all know that doctors have yet to develop any kind of 
pill or medication that eradicates depression, that gets rid of anxiety, stress. There's no such medicine. There just isn't. So I was willing to try. So I'm like, hey, <laughs> it's free. <laughs> so I waited the week and I came back and um, walked in to see a be- like the most beautiful elderly lady with like gorgeous flowing silver hair like she was like an angel like I know it sounds really dramatic but she looked like my angel like like and um I mean I'll fast forward you know and unfortunately she has passed on to to um to she has passed on she's passed on um but I call her like my spiritual grandmother because she was the one that almost helped me gain my wings and I came to this, oh, that's <laughs> amen, and I came to this class and she said, oh, hello. I said, hi. Um, she said, um, and what are you here for? And I said, I'm here to join the meditation class. And she said, well, yeah, you're in the right place. Have a seat. And I just introduced myself and just told her like a two minute blurb of who I was and where I was from and why I was there. And we were interrupted by the other attendees coming into the room. So I didn't really get to go into the story. But from that day on, she took me through learning about myself as a spiritual being and not just a physical being. She introduced me to breaking down the concept of the human being. As we go in society, we're always saying, oh, you know, I'm only a human being. I'm only human. Yeah, human being. It's a two it's a two-tier phrase. There's a human, but then what about the being? We put so much emphasis on the human. Biology, looking at the body, anatomy. We look at paying attention to our, our health. We go to the gym. We make sure the body's well. We go and have a face steam. We go and put, you know, <laughs> things in our hair and things in our skin to make the human look and feel good. But how about the being? And when she took me through that journey, I, it blew my mind, child. <laughs> and I'm still on that journey today, just trying to find the truth and trying to find the way and various ways of um, practicing spirituality to connect to that to that being. As um, people of the LGBTQ plus community, we often don't bring spirituality into the topic of conversations a lot. Mm, um, yeah. You know. <laughs> especially nowadays it's so about the physical so, so much, about much. Physical. and only until now <laughs> i feel like has really society at large really started to take into effect mental health um mm-hmm. but obviously it's not just physical and mental there's so many other layers um yeah. one of them being spiritual and so how do you and i guess an overall question how do we as a community really be spiritually spiritually connected mm-hmm. um you know Lots of us come from different faiths. Some, you know, have no faith at all. How do we operate as a community uh, on a spiritual level, as diverse as we are mm-hmm. worldwide and then down to the community level? Wow. Great question. Um, In my opinion, I think what would really serve us is to do the work, initially do the work. So almost going back to doing what you said, just starting with stillness, starting where you are finding out where you're from and a bit about your history and your lineage and what spirituality means to you in terms of heritage. But then going into the community, like you're saying, Cam, I think it's a case of really getting rid of archetypes, really getting rid of comparison, mm. um, only because, unfortunately, 
our community have almost been pit against each other. We've always been shown images of an archetype that we have to assume. And there's, you know, there's a few, but not everybody fits into those. Now, when I say archetype, I'm talking about, you know, the muscle Mary, the guy that goes to the gym all the Mm. time and he takes tons of proteins and has, you know, every guy (laughs) and his girl after them. A lot of the time that is pumped into us through media, images, music. And that's something that sometimes isn't for us. For some it is, for some it isn't. Then again, in our community, there's the archetype of the super feminine man, which is a certain type of archetype, which is somebody who is beautiful, who loves themselves, who is confident. However, again, it's about really looking at who you are, spending that time not trying to assimilate into an archetype just because you think that's what people expect of you. And then once you've slowly gotten rid rid of the archetypes and you realise your true existence, what you're about, what your story is about, your narrative, it's then about sharing. Oh my goodness, it's about sharing. Because that's how we connect. And I took this opportunity of lockdown to not do anything special, but just share like what I've experienced. And I've put some things on my Instagram, shared some things on my Facebook, did a, a website and said, hey, if you're starting meditation, let me know. Let's do it together. And before you know it, you realise it's like, yo, actually, people are trying to connect, but they just don't have that opportunity. And sometimes it's right under their nose. Like you have friends who are already taking a journey. They're already making steps towards certain things. However, by not having conversations about spirituality, mental health, by not being honest and and sometimes daring enough to put your hand up and say, you know, I'm not okay. Today, I'm not feeling good. It, It invites people in to have that conversation. So, yeah, I think that's some of the ways that we can slowly start to connect, share and almost even heal some of our community as well. Gosh, I hope that answered your question, Cam. I'm just... <laughs> oh, yeah. It's great. I, f- I find myself constantly on this journey of healing when I'm in queer black and brown spaces. Really? And, you know, sometimes... Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Mm. So the Black Men Who Brunch event just before lockdown. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. We're just sharing readings, music food laughter and just being in that space Mm. was nourishing um and reaffirming amazing and you also spoke about yeah you spoke about sharing and just sharing it brought me to your book and your body of work and what you shared with us during lockdown um and in section three you've got concepts about you and you split them into four you've got i am a soul i have a body the vehicle and the driver, compassion and ego. Now, without kind of giving your whole book away, because people can go and you know, right. <laughs> find <a> paper. <laughs> but <laughs> with the I am a soul, I have a body, would you mind would you mind kind of just sharing a bit of that with us? Yeah, sure. The concept is based around the earlier point we spoke about, about the human and the being. It's exactly that. It's about 
what if, what would happen if, now, um, we will share a meditation later on that will help you to use your creative mind. (laughs) And um, the creative mind isn't something we always have the opportunity to use in our daily life. Our mind tends to be quite rigid on a task and it's done in a certain way and it's delivered at this time and that's that task finished. People that work office jobs or work, I guess now, um, Zoom jobs, (laughs) nine to five, tend to live that type of life and are encouraged to receive a task focus on it and deal with the task in a certain way and then complete it by a deadline and pass it on. However, within that, is there space for creativity? Is there space for you you to change things around and maybe rather than do A, B, C, do C, B, A? You know, how do we get to engage Mm. our creative mind on a regular basis? So by saying that I have a body and I am a soul, it flips it around and tries to dare the reader to see life as a spiritual being first and then a physical being second. So for some, it can be a little bit like, whoa, what's this? But <laughs> I, I, really, I really encourage people just to take that step and to really be courageous enough just to try it just for a few moments. Just imagine that voice that in your head you have a dialogue with about things like, oh, you know, I'm going to make this for dinner tonight. I'm going to do that. Oh my gosh, she really said something that upset me the other day. That voice in your head that <laughs> only you can hear. Like, that's you. That's, that's you know, part of the spiritual you. Daring to allow that voice to be first and then the physical to be second. So that's kind of what that concept mm. is about. I really want to go into religion and how that ties into your spirituality today because for me um you know my granddad was pastor preacher man my nan was on the front row catching the spirit you know pentecostal happy clappy household and pentecostalism being correct me if i'm you know someone correct me if i'm wrong but in Grace Jones' autobiography, actually, she really breaks down Pentecostalism, and it's one of the one of the oldest forms of Christianity, or one of the first forms of Christianity that reached the island of Jamaica. So, a lot of Jamaicans saw Pentecostalism as as they didn't really as 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 not voodoo, but too close to the African continent. And I think, I see myself as a spiritual being rather than a religious being. But there is so much Christianity within me that that I can't let go of, nor do I want to. Mm. And I guess sometimes it can bring a lot of guilt, but for me, it offers a lot of freedom because in my spiritual self, I can, it feels right. It's, it, it's, it's self-guided. Mm. I can be free. Yeah. Mm. Where, where, where are you at now when it comes to religion and, and, and your spirituality? Wow. I love that. <laughs> I love, I love the, 
Pentecostal church being, you know, like a raw form of, you know, mm. praise and worship. Like, I love that. I, I wish I'd spent more time in the Pentecostal church, actually. I've, you know, when friends invite you, because yeah. they have an amazing experience and they're like, hey, come with me. And yeah, I've been, I think maybe twice. And this, <laughs> in comparison to Anglican church, it's wild. <laughs> so yeah, I know yeah, what you no, mean. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, it's great. Um, My nan was think... mashing up the church. Sorry to cut you, but mashing up the church, literally. <laughs> Brocking everything up. So... Knocking the pulpit all... over. Yeah, it's all about the drama. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's incredible. Like, Yeah, um, I, I, I love it. And I wish um, to have more experiences like that. And I think where I'm at is on the on the outside of religion at the moment. Um, okay. And I think it's an okay place to be. Um, I did a, um, I facilitated a workshop for the um, Faith and Belief Forum last week, in fact. And they're an organisation that connect um, people of any faith in shared spaces so they can connect and they can do... Um, activities together get to know each other and learn from each other as well and I I agreed to do that that workshop because it was such a concept that I, I truly believe in I think come as you are you know have what you have if you have a religion but are willing to listen to someone else willing being the operative word mm-hmm. you know willing to, to mm-hmm. listen and to share then yeah like come and share of yourself and come and receive of others um, so yeah, I think I'm in terms of religion wise, I'm kind of outside of, of religion at the moment, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a student. I'm a student of all of them. Like I want to learn about Sufism. I want to learn about Taoism. I want to learn about, um, Santeria, like, you know, the Orishas. I want to learn about all of that. And that's kind of how I spend over 30% of my time when I don't have to work. <laughs> yeah. I I really wish that, um, especially coming from a Christian background myself, um, that openness to other, not just other religions, but other spiritualities as well. Um, Mm. I I really wish that we were encouraged more, especially not only as Christians, but as as Black Christians um, or as as Black people who grew up in Christian households and environments, I should say. as I got older, the more curious I got with other forms of religion and spirituality. Mm. It just happened. Like, and I I was a young person. I grew up in in the church as well. Um my interest came in, you know, the the fellowship of it all, you know, the the singing, the dancing, the, the all that. The community of it. The community mm. of it. And yes. versus going to hear the sermon. Cause like as a kid, it's like, okay, whatever. My attention span was like I, I don't want to be here anymore. It's too long. But I'm I enjoyed being there. I had friends yeah, yeah, yeah. there and all that stuff. So as I got older and, you know, meeting other people of different faiths, it was like, oh. And I, I have a curious mind. So it's like, I'd love to learn all about that. And again, into my adulthood, that grew even more. And so that's when you started mm-hmm. hearing this, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. And a lot of us were saying this. Um, and right. then I had to really right. kind of look into myself, like, well, what does that actually mean for me? Yeah. Um, because, you know, 
you, Derek, said, you know, you kind of stepped away from it. I mean, I think I'm also stepped away from it, especially when I compare it to my childhood years and my teenage years. But I still kind of classify myself as Christian um, based off of my past experiences and those moments and memories I have. Um, and I don't know any other any other faith. But mm-hmm. just exploring other spiritualities as well. Like I too, I have so many friends who practice Santeria um, and I'm always curious about it. And I'm pretty sure at one point I will look into it. Um, but for me, it's about how do I navigate both of those worlds instead of having feeling like I really have to divorce one in order to have the other. And right. I really wish that this right. thing of kind of, you know, living, kind of have this multi, multi-level spirituality were encouraged more. Um, where we, we talked about therapy and oftentimes mm. Black people don't really... Or at least black people didn't really grow up being encouraged to go to therapy because it's like, why would you go to therapy if you have the Bible and if you have prayer and for Catholics, if you have confession, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. with that still kind of looming in the back of my brain somewhere, it's not active and it's not the forefront. I just go, damn, like there's been such a huge separation from what you get from church and what you actually connect to and with spiritually however that may be. And Mm. I think we're getting closer as humanity into, you know, really kind of being multidimensional instead of one dimensional in how we practice our spirituality and our faith. Oh, 100%. Gosh, like, if only we could just be really open, like more open to it. It's so transcendent, whether or not, whether you believe it or not. Yeah, my other half is a complete atheist you know he's all about the science but has been to my family church um my grandfather's funeral and you know he couldn't deny the energy in that place and the impact that Mm. the drama the drama of it all had on him Mm. um there is something in it there is something in it it's it it's an energy and i guess maybe 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 some people call it religion and we call it spirituality i don't know to add to what you're saying that's where where from and i think black gay or lgbtq people have that otherworldliness because mm. we have and Dwayne, we've had a conversation about this before and i remember saying to you this phrase and it stuck it stuck with me for some reason but we stand on the shoulders of our ancestors mm-hmm. and as we're living our life we attune ourselves to things that have been within our heritage before us mm-hmm. so sometimes Beyonce might put out a new track and the track has got some African drumming in it and she's like who run yeah, the world right. and it's like we're living for it <laughs> yeah. we're living for it because all you hear is and it's like we go to the club and we go wild mm-hmm. we're, like, we're like oh my god why do I love this song so much it's incredible that dance break in baby break boy sorry I'm not bringing it to <gasps> Beyonce but it's more than that you know, it's it's yeah. our ancestry. 
it's our ancestry and a lot of um, very intelligent creatives and artists that will go back to their heritage, which tends to be of African descent and pull from that into their into their music today to share with others today. So that's why it's like you were saying, you know, your partner came with you to the church and he experienced that that drama. He experienced that, you know, energy. Emotion. He would do Hello, emotion. Like he would because that's how our ancestors choreographed it. That's how they created it. That's what mm-hmm. they 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 made for us to connect with what's outside of ourselves. And as as being from the black diaspora, we have so many practices that aren't necessarily part of of you know the kind of Western world. Mm-hmm. We're talking about animal sacrifice we're talking about um, you know even in some extreme um, sects we're talking um, cannibalism eating you know eating the body of another person you know and some of these things go into gruesome detail but the more we can understand just at least understand where it is you're from what your people used to do helps you to navigate who you are and what you're drawn to and why now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's crazy. Some of the some of the things like, <laughs> I mean, I, I look back in the um, in the Ghanaian heritage, and um, for us, our tradition is when somebody dies, we honor the ancestors by every time we're doing a toast or having a meal, we have um, liquor. So I don't know about you. I'm not really a beer person. I'm a liquor person. Always have been. And the Ghanaians, they're not really into beer either. They're more spirits. And a spirit is, you know, obviously there's two terms of the word spirit. But with the mm. spirit, before they drink it at the table, they will offer and pour spirit on the floor. And me as my seven-year-old self, I'm like, why are they pouring the, you know, the vodka or the snaps on the floor? Libations. But because they're performing libation. You grow older and you start to, you know, you travel to Nigeria and you see some of the tribes, they sacrifice a goat before, you know, creating something new that that is for success, you know a wedding or a new fountain in the vis- in the village or a new building. It's like they do these things. And it's like, where do these things come from? And slowly over time, you start to connect the dots that as a, as a person of spirit, not just of physical DNA, you have this whole line of people that you're from that done some amazing things, created amazing things. And when you look at your life now and you're like, oh man, Maybe that's why I like African drumming. Maybe that's why I love um, maybe like textures in fabrics. I like certain colours. Maybe this is why I like certain music. Maybe this is why, for example, I eat vegetarian and I don't eat um, pork. This is why, you know, there's so many different things. So that's kind of what I really encourage people to take from my, you know, my things that I do, like my work and my, just kind of my journey. I'm just like, just... Stop looking at everyone else. Just look at yourself. Look at where you're at and start there. And it's enough. Listeners, you can keep up with Derek on Instagram at Derek underscore Adu, as well as on his website, www.derekaducoaching.co.uk and be sure to check out his book 100 miles per hour how to slow down and start meditating 
All contributions towards the book go to the Black Thrive Global, a Lambeth-based charity established in 2016 that addresses inequalities that negatively impact the mental health and well-being of black people in Lambeth. As always, you can communicate with us via email at contact at twoscoopspodcast.com, on Instagram at twoscoopspodcast, and on Twitter at twoscoops underscore pod. Derek will be gifting us with a meditation, so please be sure to catch the extra scoop this week, which will be out on Friday. So catch us then and next week for another episode of Two Scoops. Two Scoops. Two Scoops. Two scoops.